I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Should you be buying into buy to let Can you trust your bank staff? and current accounts at your local post office, but will anyone open one? I'm Elaine Moore, and in Jonathan Ely's absence, I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form with the help of my FT colleagues, Tanya Poli. Hello. Kate Allen. Hello. And our special studio guest, Chris Norris, Head of Policy at the National Landlords Association. Hello. First up, how much do you trust your bank? The cases of money stolen from the customers of financial companies, such as banks and insurance companies, rose by 43% in the last year, according to the UK's Fraud Prevention Service. There was also a significant rise in the cases of customer data being stolen for personal use. Kate Allen, the FT's statistics journalist, is here to explain what's going on. Kate, this increase sounds enormous, but what does it really mean? Does this actually mean that I should be more careful when I go to visit a bank branch? Absolutely. Banks are becoming increasingly aware that members of staff may be using people's personal data for fraudulent purposes. And they even think that some of these cases may involve organised crime. So this is somebody who works for a bank, is also somehow part of an organised crime ring and is taking your personal information. And what then happens to the personal information? Yeah, well, ID theft is becoming much more common. And organisations like banks and other financial institutions obviously have a great range of personal data on file about you. So they're great places for fraudsters to target in terms of finding potential people who they can defraud. Quite often what will happen is that the first you'll know about it is when your credit rating gets hit. You can't get a mortgage or a loan and you look at your credit file and you find that there's lots of loans that have been defaulted on that you knew nothing about. So what exactly is this information that they're taking from you? It can be as simple as your name, date of birth, current and previous addresses, and sometimes the information that banks often ask you for, like mother's maiden name and answers to other obvious questions. And to be clear, this is not a case of uh, criminals pretending to be banks in order to get your information. This is actually people who are working in banks taking information. Yes, absolutely. And that makes it much harder, obviously, to protect yourself from that because your bank needs to have a certain level of information about you. There are some things that banks recommend that you can do about this, however, and they are taking steps themselves to track this. Okay, so if we hope that the banks are doing what they should be doing to, mm-hmm. to crack down on this, what should we be doing to make ourselves a bit safer? Okay, well, first of all, you can regularly get a copy of your credit file from a credit rating agency, such as Call Credit, Experian or Equifax. That will show up if there are any um, dodgy uses of your details being made that you're not aware of. Secondly, you can make sure that your account statements arrive on time. Quite often what happens is that a fraudster will redirect your statements to make sure 
sure that you don't spot any fraudulent activity on your account. So if your post stops showing up, that's one of the first signs you can look out for. Also, if you pay money into a, a branch, check the amount registered on your statement matches the amount that was recorded on the receipt. Quite often, that's a relatively subtle way of bank cash staff taking your money. And also, if you receive bills, invoices or receipts for things you know you haven't bought, alert your bank or card provider immediately. If somebody's taken your money from the bank, mm-hmm. does the bank have to reimburse you for that money that's been taken? Yes, you can follow the normal procedures. Banks and other financial institutions have uh, very well tried and tested procedures for ID theft these days. They're very aware of it. And so you can follow the normal steps to try and reclaim your money. If we talk about ID theft, finally, just a bit more broadly, this is a, this is an area that's going up enormously, isn't it? Absolutely. The development over the last decade or so of databases of customer information, which banks and other financial institutions and things like online mail order shopping, lots of places have much more data on you than they used to have. And that makes it much easier for potential fraudsters to find out far more about you than they ever used to be able to. Thanks very much, Kate. A warning from Kate there. And you can read more about the rise in identity fraud and how you should be protecting yourself in this weekend's FT Money or go online at ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, is the post office really going to become one of the largest financial service providers on the high street? But first, buy to let. Yields of 6% or even 7% plus on rental properties are tempting more and more investors into the buy to let market. But rents have been falling in some areas and more investors are struggling to meet mortgage repayments. So is this the right time to invest or not? Here to discuss the issue this week is Tanya Poli and Chris Norris, Head of Policy at the National Landlords Association. Tanya, a couple of weeks ago, one of our FT Money columnists, Marin Somerset-Webb, said that even though she knows that house prices in the UK are not far off historical highs, she's wondering if this is the right time to look into buy-to-let investment. Why is everybody suddenly so keen? I think it's largely um, because when you look at sort of elsewhere, where else you can actually get some sort of income, there's not really much to look at. I mean, obviously, we've seen savings rates plummet over the last few years. I think the average easy access savings account actually only pays something like 0.78% these days. So really, savers are trying to sort of look elsewhere for some sort of regular income and as some sort of way of actually protecting their sort of future retirement prospects as well. So I think when we sort of did analysis of what kind of buy-to-let yields you can get around the UK, I mean, you can get sort of average yields of around 6% in some places, and it goes up to sort of 7% in some parts of London. And if you invest in some kind of specialist areas of um, the buy-to-let market, you can get yields of up to 10%. So I think that's kind of the main thing that's actually attracting people and kind of, you know, the same thing that actually people really love property and they kind of do seem to feel that their money is safe. So, Chris, we know why people might want to be involved in this, but what should investors be thinking about before they put their toe into the market? Well, investors really need to understand their target market and the area they're looking to invest. There's really never been a bad time to invest in property. There's just bad combinations of market, area, available audience for the property. So as long as you've really looked into where you're going to buy, make sure you understand who needs property, where the demand is, what the communication links are like, etc., and you've really done the maths to make sure the figures add up even so there is a um, an achievable yield like the 6 or 7% that we've been discussing, then you've, you've really made sure that you should have a fairly stable and long-term investment. I think it only really goes wrong when you don't do that homework and when you think it's going to be very easy, you think it's money for nothing. If you go into it without preparing, then you're possibly loading problems for the future. There's obviously a lot of focus on um, sort of the strong yields that investors can get yeah. at the moment. But is that the only thing they should be looking at? I mean, should they be actually looking at the capital growth prospects as well? Well, traditionally, capital growth has been a major factor in investment. 
because of the instability that we've seen over the last few years, obviously the effect of the downturn from 2008 onwards, landlords are looking more at the, the rental income. It depends really why you're getting into property. If you're looking principally at bolstering your pension and you're looking at, as a lot of NLA members are, a 15 to 20 year term of investment, then capital growth is going to be incredibly important. Traditionally, house prices in most of the UK have doubled on average every nine years. So people have factored that in there. Of course, you can't rely on that growth. The capital growth prospects are only as good as the year you have to cash in. If you'd have been investing for 15 years and kept leveraging your property, uh, as lots of landlords do, only to sell up in 2008 for retirement, Mm -hmm. you may well have not fared very well at all. It's like any other investment. You can perform very well and you can perform very badly, depending on on what the prospects of the market are on a given day. And I guess it's also worth stressing to sort of, you know, potential sort of first time landlords that actually you are kind of effectively starting up a small business if you decide to invest in property and become a landlord. I mean, what are the other things that they should actually consider about in terms of costs? You're right. You're absolutely starting a business. And more importantly than that, you're starting a business that provides people's homes. So it's very, very important that you understand what you're doing and you understand the legal requirements of what you're doing. Because if you get it wrong, not only can you be prosecuted, but you're also having an enormous impact on the people whose homes you're providing, your your tenants. What you really need to look at is how your income will stack up compared to your outgoings over the long term. So everyone looks at the cost of the property on day one when you buy it. They're obviously aware of the stamp duty you may have to pay on that property depending on the value. They don't necessarily think about what it will cost to maintain the tenancy and maintain the property. If you're unsure at all about what you're doing in your in your first few years of a landlord, it's worth actually adding up your costs as you go along against a 10-month income plan. So plan for that property to be empty for two months of the year. That way, if you do have problems, you do have tenants who fail to pay the rent, or you have a void period where you've got costs and no income, you should have secured yourself against any major loss and therefore hopefully aren't missing any mortgage payments. You've also got to look at the cost of selling up at the end of the investment you're going to have if you've been lucky and you've made a capital gain or you've been wise and you've made a capital gain you may well face capital gains tax lots of people at the moment feel that they're trapped because capital gain tax can be a tax on inflation rather than a tax on the actual growth of the business and feel that time isn't right to cash in because of the bill they may face afterwards Thank you very much, Tanya and Chris. Lots to think about. So high yields, but potentially high costs as well. You can read Tanya's cover feature on Buy to Let in this weekend's FT Money, and you can decide for yourself whether this is the right time to become a landlord or not. And finally today, the post office. This week, the post office announced that it was going to start offering current accounts in a small number of branches this spring, with a full rollout planned for 2014. But can the post office really become a challenger to the likes of HSBC, Barclays and Lloyds? Tanya, a little while ago, you wrote about the post office's plans to move more heavily into mortgages. So is it really turning into an alternative to high street banks? I think it's definitely trying to. Post office previously used to sell mortgages just really online by telephone. And last year, they actually introduced um, nine mortgage specialists into, I think it was about a a handful of their larger branches. And they kind of said at the time, you know, they want to grow this. They really want to make a big presence in the mortgage market. And actually, they've announced recently that they're going to expand this. I think they're going to have a about 50 specialists by May this year across several branches. So they really want to expand their reach. And I think they are really trying to be this sort of competitor, like a rival bank to the sort of the big five banks that we daily sort of deal with. So we have specialists in 50 branches, but actually it's got it's got more than 11,000 branches across the UK, although most of these are stuffed inside a newsagent or a village shop or, or something like this. So it's not quite the same as having 11,000 bank branches. It's not quite the same, no. I mean, 
they do have that potential to sort of reach out to such a wide range of consumers out there. And I think they are hoping that this actually, just by having kind of a mortgage specialist in their branch, they'll be able to actually reach a few more people. And actually, a lot of people do tend to like to see this person face to face and arrange their mortgage that way, especially with mortgages. I think um, most people tend to prefer to do it face to face. Post office have been extremely competitive on mortgage rates recently. So you could see them ramping up their lending quite significantly this year. And presumably offering current accounts and, and trying to offer lots of other products in the future is all part of this. But if we talk about challenger banks in general, have they made a dent in the kind of market share of the big banks in the UK? Not significantly. I mean, we've obviously, everyone's talked about Metro Bank, which came in a few years ago, really sort of um, trying to sell themselves as a challenger to the main banks. I mean, it was really sort of talking about actually we're going to be much better on customer service. That's what people want. But I think if you look at their market share, it's not risen dramatically over the last few years. Part of that is inertia in terms of sort of the current account market. Most people don't actually ever switch their current accounts. And with mortgage rates, people actually do want to get the best rate possible. So I think it will be quite hard for the post office and other challenger banks to take that share away. But maybe if they are competitive, like post offices with the rates, they could do that. Is it generally accepted that it's a good thing to have more competition, that it would it'll have an effect on the banks, even if they don't necessarily lose that many customers? I think definitely. I mean, uh, part of what we've seen over recent years with the big banks kind of, you know, being subject of sort of all these big mis-selling um, scandals. I mean, I think people say that if there are, is more competition in the market, there's less chance of these kind of big mis-selling scandals happening. And it just provides more choice for consumers out there to get the best deal and move around to whichever bank they feel most comfortable and happy with. Thanks very much, Tanya. More choice is good. The post office hasn't yet announced full details of its current account, but you can read what it has released in this weekend's FT Money. That's all we have time for in this week's show, but you can read all of these stories and more in this week's FT Money section or online at ft.com forward slash money. And if you'd like to tell us your views on fraud, buy-to-let or anything else, or even if you just have a question you'd like us to answer, then email us. The address is money at ft.com. Until next week, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Tanya, Kate and our special studio guest, Chris Norris, Head of Policy at the National Landlords Association. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.